sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. A new week begins right here, right now, on the morning after, live on a Monday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM. Channel 159 is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here to start off a new week. Hope you had a wonderful and profitable weekend. And if you were like me, you were probably sleeping last night at 2.30 a.m. Eastern time, getting ready for your new week, thinking of all the joys you would experience on a Monday, so you weren't scrolling Twitter to see a Woj bomb. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting last night in the overnight wee hours of the early morning at 2.30 a.m. Eastern time that the Boston Celtics have emerged as a new team to keep an eye on when it comes to the sweepstakes for Kevin Durant. Nearly a month since KD requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics and the Nets have now strongly emerged as contenders to trade for Kevin Durant, and they have engaged in serious conversations. So that was the first bit of news that we had overnight. We're diving right in on this Monday morning. And then it was followed up on this Monday morning within the last hour or so by the Athletic and Stadium's Sham Sharania with the actual details of a potential Kevin Durant deal with the Boston Celtics, that the Celtics engaged in these conversations with Brooklyn and supplied the initial offer, offering a deal centered around Jalen Brown. Derek White was included in that Boston Celtics trade package and a draft pick. The Brooklyn Nets said, thanks so much for that, Brad Stevens, but we respectfully decline. We want more draft picks, and we want the reigning defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. Jason Tatum is apparently off limits, but that's what Brooklyn wants in return. This is all very interesting because at the end of last week, we had reports that the Kevin Durant trade talks around the NBA had pretty much slowed down to a trickle. Not a lot of interest coming in to the Brooklyn Nets who are asking for a King's ransom in return for one of the best players in the league, one of the best scorers of all time, in my estimation, in Kevin Durant. But now a new team that we wouldn't really expect needing the services of KD in the Boston Celtics have started to engage in serious conversations where if you were to look at the betting table right now, maybe the Boston Celtics are the favorite to acquire Kevin Durant. And you might be thinking, why? I think why is a good question. Look at these odds for the 2022-23 NBA championship. The Boston Celtics are the favorites. That's not a new price this morning with some of the intrigue around Kevin Durant. That was the price as of the last two to three weeks when the Boston Celtics jumped to the favorite to win next year's NBA championship at 5-1. to one. When the Seas acquired Malcolm Brogdon, that was a great move in the offseason that had a Boston Celtics team who won the Eastern Conference crown a season ago, two wins away from an NBA championship, with a solidified homegrown young core. Yes, they were the betting favorites to win the NBA championship at plus 500, and that number has not moved because of these Kevin Durant conversations. 
So why would the Seas trade away a ton of their young talent in what has seemed to be a great roster constructed by Brad Stevens and the like in Boston for Kevin Durant? I mean, everybody really should be interested in KD at some level, but it's interesting to see where Boston is right now. But that also leads us to a conversation of where that number on the Seas would go if they do, in fact, acquire Kevin Durant. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. A Monday morning live on the grid on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. 2.30 a.m. Eastern Time last night and we got some news. Finally, something substantial around Kevin Durant. The Boston Celtics emerging as a front runner in the trade conversations surrounding KD and followed up by details this morning from the athletic Sham Sharania of what actually was offered from the Boston Celtics to the Brooklyn Nets that the Nets have declined as of right now a trade package centered around Jalen Brown Derek White in the fold as well as well as a single draft pick the Nets want more draft picks and they want Marcus Smart a part of any potential deal and again let's look at the odds just one final time the Boston Celtics are currently the betting favorites to win next year's NBA championship at plus 500. That's been the number on the Celtics for the last two and a half weeks. There has not been any movement this morning. And it's also interesting when you put it in comparison with the Brooklyn Nets price down there, the sixth best number at 12 to one. That's been a price that has grown shorter and shorter when it seems like Kevin Durant might just remain in Brooklyn this upcoming season. But if, let's say if, because as Shams also further reported in his story this morning, nothing is imminent. It doesn't seem like a deal is all that close to getting done, just that Boston has emerged in these trade talks. Let's say if Boston does end up acquiring Kevin Durant, what happens to that number on the Celtics? Already booked as the favorite to win the NBA title next season at plus 500. Where does that number go? Does it get cut in half? Does it get down by a dollar and a hook? Maybe to plus 350, plus 300? The Celtics would remain a very substantial and short favorite in comparison to the rest of the field for next season's NBA championship. All right, plenty more to get to throughout these two hours here on Sports Grid and the morning after, including in this opening hour, a weekend review with the very own Donnie Wrightside from right here on SportsGrid, going around the Major League Baseball diamond. The first weekend of the second half of the Major League Baseball campaign, the Dodgers remain dominant. The Yankees look pretty good as well. And the Toronto Blue Jays have a wonderful weekend at Fenway Park. We go around the Major League Baseball diamond up next on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to dive into the weekend that was. The start of the second half of the Major League Baseball season. I'm Ben Stevens, and Donnie Wrightside now joins the morning after on this Monday on SportsGrid. DRS was in Philadelphia on Friday night to see the Phils lose to the Cubs, and the Cubbies scored 12 runs. We saw a lot of offense all around this weekend, DRS. How was your weekend watching Major League Baseball? Very good. It was hot and a little bit profitable here, taking some team totals, but certainly some shocking moves around Major League Baseball, including the Phillies showing up big, Ben, in the city of brotherly love. 
Oh, for three swept by the Cubs, who the Cubs haven't swept anybody. Quite frankly, I don't think the Cubs have beaten anybody this year, but they certainly beat the Phillies yeah. over the weekend, that's for sure. Sweeping the Phillies on the road in Philadelphia. Well, look at where the Phillies stand in terms of that National League wild card race in just a little bit. But let's start with the most dominant team in Major League Baseball right now. That would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. A four-game sweep over their rivals in San Francisco inside Dodger Stadium this weekend. The Dodgers now, DRS, have won eight straight games, 15 of their last 16, 19 of their last 21, victorious in the finale yesterday, 7-4 to four over San Francisco. How do you feel about where L.A. is right now? It feels the same as last year. I mean, this team is just a juggernaut here. It doesn't matter, Ben, who you have in the lineup one through nine. The entire roster absolutely smokes from the plate. And then if you take a look at their starting pitching, who would have said, oh, you're going to lose Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller's not going to be there? It doesn't matter. They just bring anybody in from anywhere, Ben, and it seems to work mm -hmm. here for the Dodgers. And rightfully so, this one magical season that we saw where the Dodgers and the Giants went head-to-head -head the entire season with both teams getting over 100 wins, not going to be the case here because it looks like the Dodgers are running away with the NL West, which, quite frankly, was anticipated and expected with how talented that roster is. An 11-and-a-half game lead now for L.A. in the National League West. They are heavy, heavy favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And at 64-30 and 30 straight up, the Dodgers now a .681 win percentage, technically the best in all of the bigs. The Yankees still have the most wins at 66 and 31 straight up this year, but a .680 win percentage. So the Dodgers have played a few less games than that of New York. Speaking of New York, but the National League side of things, the Mets offense finally wakes up last night on Sunday night baseball. They were getting no hit through about four innings against Joe Musgrove and the San Diego Padres. But then the sixth inning rolls around. The Mets score five runs. They add on three more in the bottom half of the seventh inning, and they hold on for an 8-5 series finale victory over the Padres. This will be something we monitor in the second half of this season, DRS. The Mets and the need for a little bit more offensively. We know how good on paper that starting staff can be by the time we get to the postseason. The Mets already adding Daniel Vogelbach. That man runs the bases like nobody else in all of the bigs, but they will be looking to add another bat before the uh, MLB trade deadline on August 2nd. So the offense needs to pick up for New York. It did yesterday in the finale of the weekend set against the Padres. Yeah, tough scene for underbackers, right? You get through the first five innings and nobody has scored. Looks like you're going to cruise to an easy victory, let alone have 25 total hits and 13 total runs at the end of this game. But you're right for the Mets' perspective. They are looking for offense, and Vogelbach is a decent addition where you can platoon him in the field or maybe use him as a DH. But I think the bigger fish mm -hmm. to fry might be a Juan Soto caliber move here to Woo! sort of reamplify that offense, if you will. But the Mets are going to be in it to the end. The Mets are waiting for Jacob yeah. DeGrom to come back and Max Scherzer to be paired one and two. And if they can add at the deadline, which they will, and that's quite frankly what the signals that Cohen has been sending out since he's been owner, the true owner of the Mets, I think they will. Will they get Soto? I don't know. But they're going to retool for sure, Ben, once this deadline comes up in about a week or so. Polar Bear Pete, a big three-run bomb in the bottom half of the sixth, really opened it up for the Mets. They have a one-and-a-half game lead in the division minus 165 and odds on favorite price for new york over atlanta that's where the one and a half game distinction is the braves plus 120 the second best price the braves taking two of three in the weekend series against the angels to start things off in this second half although philly is 50 to one 
in the National League East, and they sit nine and a half games back. The Phil's still in contention for an NL wildcard spot. We'll get to that again in just a little bit. And we didn't really see any movement, DRS, in the National League pennant odds, despite how dominant the Dodgers have been as of late. A short favorite, plus 150 on LA. Double the price is where New York finds themselves at plus 300. And the Braves round out the top three at plus 450. There seems to be DRS as we get going here in the second half. A slight distinction between those top three, L.A., New York, and Atlanta, from the rest of where the National League stands right now. And it should be at this point, but also, like, the deadline, some of these teams are going to add on, and we'll see where they can hit that trajectory point. Because you have to remember, last year, the Braves were just having an average season, and then right around the trade yeah. deadline, made some shrewd moves and on their way to a World Series championship. So if we're looking for one of those teams to do that, we know the Brewers are ultra-talented with the back end of the bullpen and the front line starting pitching, but they are lacking in the middle of their lineup. But the two interesting teams here are the next teams listed at the FanDuel Sportsbook, 14-1 to and 17-1. to That's the Padres and the Cardinals. Why are they interested mm. or interesting to me? is because one of those teams at the deadline has a really good chance to get in the Juan Soto sweepstakes and really amplify, as I like to say, the rest of their season. So watch out for those teams. But I do agree with you. Dodgers, Mets, Braves, they should be in that top tier for sure. And the Padres did take the first two of their three games set on the road in New York to start off the second half. And we still await the return of Fernando Tatis Jr., who looked pretty good just chilling in the dugout on Sunday Night Baseball as well. All right, now to the American League DRS. A Blue Jay beatdown against the Boston Red Sox inside Fenway Park this weekend. Eight to four is what Toronto won by in the finale. You're probably thinking, oh man, that's a lot of offense, a lot of runs scored. It pales in comparison to what Toronto did on Friday night. 28 to five was the final. Yes, 28 runs scored, four touchdowns in a baseball game against the Red Sox in Fenway Park. Tons of offense this weekend for the Blue Jays DRS who have won five straight games. Yeah, Blue Jays getting hot here at the right time here and feasting off of those Boston Red Sox who don't have it together at all from a pitching standpoint to a hitting standpoint to a fielding standpoint. It almost looks like at this point where what were they actually doing over the all-star break? Certainly not paying attention to their P's and Q's and getting back and saying, hey, let's see what we can do in the second half of the season. And the last 20 mm. games or so, Ben, where they line up against the Rays, the Yankees, the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, you know, all up and down there talking about the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. It doesn't look good. And if you're one and nine in your last 10 here, are they sellers now? at the deadline because quite frankly if i'm the front office looking at that team yeah you guys need help help in the last place at this point looks like they're not even fighting anymore ben i sold the blue jays slightly short they have won six straight it's the red Sox who have lost five straight toronto scored 40 runs in total this weekend yeah. in fenway the red Sox do not look to be that staunch of a team right now so boston has lost nine of their last 10 games and DRS when we look at it for right now for where things are in the American League East we'll get to that in just a moment because the pinstripes keep winning baseball games as well and Aaron Judge off to a great start in this second half nasty Nestor pitches a shutout yesterday against the Orioles and Aaron Judge hits his 37th home run of the season that's what the Yankees do. They usually pound Baltimore in Baltimore, and the big guys show up and hit balls into the seats. Nice win yesterday because, again, this is no longer that Orioles team where the last two to three years you could just pound them because that's expected. This is a decent baseball team, but after going at, excuse me, after the All-Star break, you get those two losses to the Houston Astros, doesn't feel so good. Then you fly in and play a decent yeah. Baltimore team. They handled their business this weekend, and also Aaron Judge did as well in that AL MVP mm. race. 
And look at those stats since the All-Star break. Eight of 17 of the dish has hit four home runs in five games, has 11 RBIs in that span as well. He leads all the bigs with 37 home runs. That's seven more than the next best guy. That's Kyle Schwarber, and he's second best in terms of RBIs. He has 81. Pete Alonso leads all of the majors with 82. And because of that, another flippity-flop at the top of the American League MVP odds. Aaron Judge, now the odds on favorite at minus 110 in front of Shohei Otani at plus 125. Tons to get to as we look at the week ahead in Major League Baseball with Donnie Wright's side up next and how the American League wild card race shakes out right now. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's look at the week ahead in Major League Baseball here to start off your week on a Monday on the morning after. Donnie Wrightside is back for a second consecutive segment. Nobody better at capping the bigs than our man, DRS. And Donnie, we're into the second half of the Major League Baseball season. The wild card races are going to start to be even more of a focus. We have to see how the playoff picture is starting to iron itself out across Major League Baseball, certainly in the American League, with how many teams out of the American League East might be in contention. We mentioned the Blue Jays go on the road in Boston. They get a sweep over the Red Sox. Boston seems like they might be sellers at the deadline now. Maybe not necessarily a playoff contender. So because of the six straight wins for Toronto, they take the top spot now in the American League wild card standings. A half game in front of their divisional foe the Tampa Bay Rays. But Tampa still owns that second wild card spot at the moment. The Rays start a series on this Monday on the road in Baltimore against the Orioles. The second straight divisional series for the O's. They lost the weekend set against the Yankees. DRS, what can we expect out of this divisional showdown today? Yeah, take a look at maybe an under in this spot here, which, again, so many years that we've taken a look at the Baltimore Orioles. There were automatic overs down there at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Wind blowing out, hot temperatures in the summer, short fences in left field. No more here. We saw yesterday, Nestor Cortez goes down there and shuts down the Baltimore Orioles, a 6 to nothing win. I'm not going to say this is going to be a 6 to nothing win here for the Tampa Bay Rays, but it certainly points to an under. If we take a look even at Voth on the mound tonight as he matches up against Tampa Bay, he's got the XFIP number around that four and a quarter range, which isn't too bad, but Take a look at his last 30 days, Ben. Weighted on base percentages here. Voth is a right-handed pitcher to lefties, a 251, which is fantastic. Mm. And to righties, a 235. So if we're taking a look and saying, all right, maybe one of those guys that we didn't anticipate having such a great season for us, turning it around over the past 30 days. And Kluber here, he's got some decent splits as well. To left-handed batters, a 334 weighted on base percentage, which is a little bit high, Ben. But if you look at the ISO power numbers, they're very good for Kluber. A 149 to lefties and a 179 to righties. And if we take a look at the lineup tonight, only four batters with weighted on base percentages above a 325 versus right-handed pitching over the past 30 days for the Orioles. To me, it plays an under. The simple adage goes, Ben, if it's nine, it takes 10 to beat me. I'll take the under on that one. I love the look for today's game in specificity, DRS. And then you also put this into context for the American League wildcard race. Of course, the Baltimore Orioles were one of the best stories of the first half of this Major League Baseball season. Entered the All-Star break in even 500 
46 and 46 straight up. Now they're one game below 500 after losing two of three against the Yankees and sit three and a half games back, Donnie, in terms of that American League wild card race. 150 to one now, their American League pennant odds. DRS at the break. We had those updated make playoff odds to really see how the odds makers felt about the wild card races across the league. The Blue Jays had the best odds. They were minus 500 at the time. They have the best odds in terms of the American League pennant now at plus 850. These are the standings of how it looks. If we bring back up those odds, it's the exact order of where the American League wild card race stacks up right now. Toronto, Tampa, Seattle, those three wild card teams. Cleveland two games back, the White Sox and the Red Sox three games back, and the Orioles three and a half back as well. So here's how it shakes out at the moment, DRS, accompanied with those American League pennant odds to really try to paint a small picture of what that American League wildcard race looks like at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be attempting to head down the stretch to see if you could pick off one of these guys that you figure are coming back from the pack here because the Toronto Blue Jays look like they've righted the ship here, and quite frankly, on the heels of the Boston Red Sox starting to fade. But the Tampa Bay Rays, Ben, they're always going to be there in contention. For you to have like a no bet on Tampa Bay when they're in the thick of it, it certainly doesn't make sense, and that's not their MO over the past couple of years. But if you look at the Seattle Mariners, it's very interesting to me because they came out, what, winners of 14-15, you take that all-star break, and how many times in the sports market do you say if you're the Mariners, Mariners or their organization, man, the All-Star game came at the worst possible time because of how hot we are, and it certainly cooled them off. Now, no shame in their game. They got swept at home by the Houston Astros. But even if we look further down, the Chicago White Sox, are they finally starting to turn the corner here, Ben? 7-3 and three in their last mm. 10 games, getting a nice little start outside of the All-Star break. But if I look down there at the Baltimore Orioles at three and a half games back from that wildcard position, I don't think there's any chance they climb up there. Quite frankly, before the season, if we would have been talking, Ben, sitting here on July 25th, Look at this. The Orioles are in playoff contention. We'd have all been yep. shocked at this point. Even if they add on slightly here, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. But I do think one of those teams here, the Guardians and the White Sox fighting for those last spots, do we have enough talent on the White Sox to overcome the Guardians? They sure do. They just have to put it together. It'll be so interesting to see how that American League Central plays out because will it be just one team from that division? Will it be the divisional champion, which right now... Minnesota, not only the betting favorite at plus 110, a three-game lead over Cleveland, a four-game advantage over Chicago. But you saw in the odds there, the White Sox still remain 15-1 to to win the American yeah. League. There is still some optimism that Chicago will figure it out early on here in the second half. They split a four-game set against those Cleveland Guardians. Speaking of the Guardians on the road in Fenway to start off a series against the Boston Red Sox. DRS, how do you evaluate these two teams right now in the second series of the second half? Cleveland's certainly trying to make that postseason push, either through the division or a wild card spot. And again, it seems rather pessimistic inside Fenway Park at the moment. Yeah, it does seem. And also, when you're taking a look at the Boston Red Sox, who are clearly floundering at this point here, go through the All-Star break, come right out and embarrass themselves, as you said, give me a 40 runs. But it wasn't so much the 40 runs altogether. It was all the errors, all the dumb base running plays mm -hmm. that they made, which is really seeping in, which shows of a time, look, they're professional athletes. I get it. But if Rafael Devers is going to be on the IL, who, long, who knows how long he stays there? Who else is going to help this team out here during that stretch? Who's going to break through and say, you know what, let's get the team together and start playing some good baseball again? It almost feels like the equivalent of this team is quitting on the Boston front office. And at the deadline where you look to get some extra ammunition to help you out in the second half part of the season, 
I don't think that's coming in. Now, is it a guaranteed sell-off where, you know, the top three or four guys in the organization are gone? I don't think that's going to be the case. But what gives you pause here to say, you know what? I think Boston could come back and make a run into the playoffs in the second half. Absolutely nothing is telling me that, Ben, outside of this All-Star break. And not necessarily do you need to be buyers at the deadline or sellers at the deadline to make all of those moves that could impact the rest of Major League Baseball. But if the Sobs were in the hunt for an American League wildcard spot and they felt like they really had a good chance of making the postseason, they might try to add those incremental buys. That doesn't seem to be the case right now. So they might not sell guys like Rafi or Xander Bogarts, maybe not the biggest names in their organization. They might just be content to stay put. And it really all goes back to Chris Sale. There seemed to be that optimism around Boston, maybe making that playoff push when Sale came back, but then broke a pinky on his left hand. His throwing hand in that final series against the Yankees before the All-Star breaks has kind of stuttered where Boston is right now. All right, to the National League as it looks at the wild card race. The Philadelphia Phillies are one game back of that sixth and final spot in the NL playoff picture. One game back of the St. Louis Cardinals. DRS was in Philadelphia on Friday night to take in the sights of seeing the Phillies take on the Chicago Cubs. Not a great game on Friday night. The Phillies will be in Philly again tonight, hosting a divisional foe in the Atlanta Braves. DRS, your Phils. How confident do you feel about Philadelphia right now actually making a postseason push? You know, it looks like the, the arrow was trending up pre-All-Star break. You sweep the Marlins on the road, which you never do. And quite frankly, I don't think it's been the case since 2010. You say, all right, let's take this break here. Let's regroup. Bryce Harper will be back in a couple weeks, we hope. Let's just see if we can stem this tide and hang around. And, oh, yes, we have the Cubs at home right after the break. That should be an easy, yep. not a sweep, Ben, but right? Two out of three should be anticipated here from the Phillies. They get swept by the Cubs. And this is a homestand, Ben. Three versus the Cubs, and you're coming up against the Braves, which is going to be a huge series for them. Not putting your best foot forward at this point. Let's get something straight here. Just because Bryce mm -hmm. Harper is down, it's not like across baseball you've seen, like, hey, a really good player goes down and the team folds up. There's a lot of really good baseball players who are anticipated good players, like JT Ruluto, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. There's a lot of meat left in that lineup that are really disappointing here in trying to make up outside of Schwarber hitting home runs and hitting like 210 as an average. Things don't look good tonight, Ben. If you're looking at it as a betting perspective tonight, yeah. Ranger Suarez directly up against Max Fried. First five innings run line where the Braves would be up one run or more at the end of five. I think that makes the most sense at a minus 120 price tonight. Yeah, you see that lofty favored side in terms of Atlanta tonight, even on the road in Philadelphia. Max Fried on the bump, minus 188 is that live money line price on the Atlanta Braves on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And speaking of Philly, one final point about the Phils. Again, at the All-Star break, we had those updated make playoff odds. Philadelphia was minus 120 to make the yeah. postseason. A slight bit of a favored number, at least in that minus money category, to get inside the NL playoffs. They are 17 to one to win the pennant. Much better odds, much shorter of a number than that of Philadelphia to win the division. So there still is, at least as the odds would indicate, a hope that Philly can make a push for the wild card. Again, only one game back of that final spot currently occupied by the St. Louis Cardinals. Freed on the bump tonight. He's 13-1 to win the National League Cy Young, tied for the third best odds. Tony Gonsolin gets the start for the Dodgers. He is 13-1 with a perfect record, 11-0 still this year from a win-loss perspective. Sandy Alcantara, not his best start yesterday, DRS, but still a minus money price at minus 130.
Yeah, it is always going to be that way. And also, he's looking at bigger things than the Marlins, who are also slipping in the standings here as we watch. But the A, excuse me, the NL Cy Young Award, right in his back pocket, Ben. Can he just pull out yep. and spend that money? We'll see. We'll have to see how it correlates from an individual standpoint to team success in the second half when the playoffs will be a very big focus. DRS, as always, we appreciate your time, my friend. Always a good time on Monday with you, Ben, for sure. Always a good time indeed. A prop perspective up next here on The Morning App. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The prop perspective of FanDuel's Tom Vecchio to start off a new week for you, the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Welcome back to the morning after live on this Monday on Sports Grid. We welcome Tom Vecchio onto the show. Tom, let's go through the Major League Baseball slate today, but we'll also talk a little NFL football training camp underway across the league. Your pop prop perspective doesn't just stop with Major League Baseball. We'll get ready for a new NFL season as well. Welcome back to the show on this Monday. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an interesting time in the sports world. You know, we're, we're grinding through baseball on a day-to-day -day basis. Yep. But, you know, NFL, as you said, training camp is open. We're starting to creep up to the preseason, moving into the regular season. And I'm starting to look at some season-long props for the NFL. Right. So let's get to it. We'll take an early look at some of those to evaluate where the market stands right now. But we first focus on a Monday slate in MLB. The best team in the National League. The L.A. Dodgers technically with the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball right now against the worst team in all of Major League Baseball tonight in L.A. The Dodgers, a minus 320 money line favorite against the Washington Nationals. Of course, the Nats, the worst team in the bigs, the Dodgers, the best team in the NL. Tom, I think from a prop perspective is the only way you can truly attack this game. Maybe a total for sure, but the Dodgers are greater than a three dollar favorite so when you see the best team against the worst team is this an area on the board you target yeah it really comes down to the pitching matchups to start if i'm standing if i'm sticking with the standard lines i would immediately look towards the run line but that's sitting at minus 160 and that's that's still a bit much for yeah. uh, even the best team in the nl going up against the worst team in the league so it comes down to the pitching matchup and the nationals will have paulo espino on the mound tonight a pitcher we can absolutely look to target and I guess my overall theme or thesis for this game is it's not if the Dodgers hit home runs, it's how many are they going to hit. Uh, mm. This year, Espino is giving up a 439 slugging to lefties, 1.71 home runs per nine, a 45.8% fly ball rate, and a 41% hard contact rate. He fits the mold of what I look for and I picture exactly. So he's horrible against lefties. He's still really bad against righties. He's just a little bit worse versus lefties. So that has me leaning on Freddie, uh, Freddie Freeman to hit a home run at plus 360. Comes in with a phenomenal 174 WRC plus a 234 ISO, 35% fly ball rate, and a 37.7% hard contact rate. So I love Freeman. You could also look to Mac, Max Muncie, who's been underproducing a little bit this year. He's still a strong underlying metrics, but if he's yeah. terrible versus lefties and still really bad against righties, we can make the case for Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner. The list goes on and on for the Dodgers. So I like Freeman the most, but if I wake up tomorrow and see that there's three players that hit home runs and it's not Freeman, I'm not going to be surprised tonight. 
LA, the hottest team in baseball, eight straight wins, 15 of their last 16, 19 of their last 21. And in terms of that run line, the reason they're still minus 154 in terms of the juice of laying a run and a half, that's pretty hefty by Major League Baseball standards. The Dodgers, the second best run line record in the bigs, 57 and 37 for a team that has won 64 games outright all right Tom we'll go from a slightly different prop perspective here into the individual award odds and that would be for the National League Cy Young we saw Sandy Alcantara on the bump yesterday for the fish minus 130 as your odds on favorite to win the NL Cy Young as you look at it here Tom first week of the second half of the Major League Baseball season do you believe anybody can catch Sandy in this market at this point, no. He's just been so, so consistent that, you know, he could even be in for a little bit of regression and still hold on to that number one spot, still hold on to some of his underlying metrics that would be leading the league or leading the NL pitching, I guess you could say. So at mm. this point, you know, I, I hate to call one of these races over. I think some of the MVP races are obviously much closer. But for the Cy Young in the NL, it's kind of looking like this one is over as long as he continues to just do what he's been doing the rest of the rest of the season as he's done thus far so you know it'd be great to take a shot on Corbin burns that you know a pretty decent number of plus 550 but he would have to yeah. do a lot to catch up to alcantara and we need to see alcantara regress heavily not just a normal amount as we'd expect for a pitcher a pretty steep drop off to that price on Corbin Burns, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, an even steeper drop off to guys like Musgrove and Freed and Tony Gonsolin, the Catman starting for the Dodgers tonight at 13 to 1, his NL Cy Young odds, and Max Freed gets the start on the road against the Phillies as well. All right, over to the American League, Tom. A very interesting time, I would feel, from a prop perspective as we approach the MLB trade deadline on August 2nd and some teams that might be buying ahead of the deadline or maybe selling or some interesting cases like the Baltimore Orioles. The O's at home tonight, a slight home underdog inside Camden Yards against the Tampa Bay Rays. Tom, how do you evaluate the Baltimore Orioles where we stand right now at the Major League Baseball season as you're trying to determine what they might do ahead of the trade deadline? So when it comes to the Orioles, they were obviously super hot to end the first half, a little bit slow start to this half. I think that this is what they're going to be, or this is the kind of team that they are, depending on you know what we see from their pitching staff, where they, they have some pretty good hitters. And if their hitters stay hot, especially when they're facing left-handed pitching, that's where I really look towards the righty hitters and the player props for them. I probably don't see them selling off too many players because they have so many good pieces. You know, realistically, you know, you could say that some of the teams in the AL East outside the Yankees are all kind of equal this year. And the Orioles have surprised a lot of people. They've surprised me. Uh, I think they hold on to everyone that they have and, and kind of build towards next year because they have a pretty solid lineup. They just need to improve their pitching and they could probably compete for a wild card spot. So I think they just kind of stay, you know, stay in pat and, you know, move on yeah. to next season. Tom, the Brewers, a big favorite at home today, minus 196. And Milwaukee's kryptonite at times this year has been a lack of, of offense we know how good the pitching is for milwaukee both in their starting rotation and certainly the back end of that bullpen they're playing the rockies to finish off a four game set today and this is not in course field despite the offensive numbers milwaukee has put up over the first three games of this series six runs in the opener nine runs on saturday 10 runs in a come from behind dramatic victory yesterday against the rocks how do you evaluate the trending offensive numbers in a positive way for the Brew Crew? 
I think that this is one of the times, as I've said before, it's like when you see a trend, you kind of want to jump on it and you just got to, you know, ride it as long as you can, really, regardless of the sport. And, you know, when the Orioles got hot, if you just roll with them for their offense or player props, you're, you're going to be in a good spot. And it's kind of the same thing with the Brewers. So if you look to the middle or the top of their lineup with Rowdy Telez, uh, Kristen Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, whoever might be given the splits, uh, lefty versus righty, I think that's the safest spot to go. Whether they're going to continue to put up seven, eight, nine runs a game is yet to be seen. I would lean towards the over initially in this matchup. The pitching mm-hmm. on both sides isn't particularly good. I think it's going to be Freeman versus Aaron Ashby. So it's kind of two middle-of-the-road pitchers. And the offense could probably continue to roll for the Brewers still. So I would lean towards the over and then lean towards some of the player props uh, for the Brewers again. Over in three straight, all of them in this series. Over in four straight for Milwaukee, dating back to before the trade deadline as well. So, of course, FanDuel's Tom Vecchio is known as the home run prop king. He gave you a great look for that matchup between the Dodgers and the Nats inside Dodger Stadium tonight. But it's not just home run props. Also a K-prop on the board. Tom, what gets your attention on this Monday? That would be Jake Odorizzi and the under on four and a half strikeouts thing at minus 112. The over and the under are both to get minus 112. So we're essentially dealing with a coin flip here. Uh, the issue for Odorizzi are a couple of things. First of all, he's got an 18.3% strikeout rate this year, which is very low. He has a 9.4% swing strike rate. He's just not a big strikeout pitcher. He's been over this mark in two straight starts, but he's going up against the Athletics for the third straight time. That's right. He has faced the Athletics in each of the, his two previous starts. And generally, conventional wisdom says, as, uh, you know, baseball wisdom says that as a pitcher sees a team uh, more and more often in a short time, a short time frame, we're going to see a strikeout drop just because the hitters are getting used to it in some capacity. So he's not a big strikeout pitcher. The A's, yes, they strike out a good amount versus righties. But if we're dealing with a coin flip and the same odds, I'm going to lean towards the under on what is essentially not a good strikeout pitcher, combined with the fact that Odorizzi is barely going to 90 pitches in some of these recent starts. So they're not allowing him to go deep into the games, and he's facing a team for the third straight time. So as I'd like to say, you know, the A's aren't a good team. They kind of have somewhat of an advantage here Mm -hmm. facing him for the third straight time. I like to look there as well, and the Astros have won five straight games. They're a perfect 5-0, and in fact, since the All-Star break. A quick two-game set against the Yankees and then snapping a 14-game win streak for the Mariners that they held at the All-Star break. Houston, the sweep in Seattle this weekend. All right, so now is a time when we start to gear up for the NFL as well. And from a prop perspective, you might be thinking, we're a far way away from games we're under seven weeks now but still a far way away well on the FanDuel Sportsbook season long props available and Tom wants to target a receiving yards prop to get things going that would be the number one and primary target for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay his name is Mike Evans Tom how do you evaluate season long props as we get ready for a new season in the NFL so generally for season-long props, I lean towards the under on most props, if not all. And if I'm going to be taking an over, uh, there has to be a lot lining up for that player to hit the over. Because generally, a lot has to go right for a player to hit the over. You can't just say, oh, I think they're going to have a good season. It's going to be they're going to have a good season because of multiple reasons. There's multiple paths yeah. for them to reach that over. So the under can obviously hit significantly easier with an injury or whatever might be just you know natural variance. So I generally lean towards unders unless there's specific circumstances that push me towards the over. And I think Mike Evans over 1,050 and a half receiving yards is one of the cases that leans me towards the over. First off, 
the news on Chris Godwin for his injury is all over the place. There's some reports saying that they're not ruling him out for week one, and people think that's a good thing, but it's middle of July. Of course, they're not ruling him out for week one. He suffered an ACL injury in week 15 of last year, and there's some reports saying that he may not be out for week one, but he could be out for two weeks. It could be six weeks. It could be eight weeks. It's literally just a giant question mark for Chris Godwin. It's not even a full 12 months since his ACL injury. That Gronk retired. They brought in Russell mm-hmm. Gage to be the second string receiver if Godwin is out. That means uh, was going to be uh, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Cyril Grayson as yep. the next set of receivers with Cameron Brait starting a tight end. They recently signed Kyle Rudolph. So all of these question marks, inconsistency, Godwin is the clear, uh, God, with Godwin out, Mike Evans is the clear number one receiver. We know that he's been over 1,000 yards in eight straight seasons. So when I'm combining all this, I then look at strong projections that we have on number fire, also other places across the industry, and then average them out. And Godwin on number fire, excuse me, not Godwin, Evans on number fire. We have Mike Evans projected for 1,305 yards. So he's a clear mm. 255 yards over his line. So we have the strong projection for Mike Evans. We combine all this injury information, a lack of consistency from the other receivers, and that's what points me to the over. It's not just one of these things. It has to be a combination yeah of all of them for me to take the over on a player for a season long prop. It's a great, great thought there as well, because it's not just one thing. A season long prop is a lot to bet on right now because you can make the future bets and there are some prop areas to look at. Like Justin Herbert, for instance, is the favorite to lead the NFL in regular season passing yards, but it's a plus 700 price. So that entices people a little bit more. If you're going to have your money held up in a futures market, at least it's seven to one. When it's that regular season prop over under 1050 and a half for Mike Evans, you want to make sure everything stacks up in your favor and the projections lead you to a considerable margin in terms of that over FanDuel's Tom Vecchio explaining it well that prop perspective Tom you're very good at it thank you for joining the show once again well thanks for having me be uh be excited for next week yeah very much so we round out our number one of the morning after on this Monday up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Routing out our number one the morning after live on this Monday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here to start off your new week. We've been about four or five games across Major League Baseball in the second half of the MLB season since the All-Star break. And Aaron Judge over the New York Yankees has continued to rise, both up the AL MVP odds market and in terms of his stats and the performance since the All-Star break. Five games since returning from the All-Star break for the Yankees and Judge. Four homers in those five games, eight of 17 at the dish, and 11 RBIs. And we've seen yet another change for the top spot in the betting favorite in the American League MVP race. So we asked you, Where we stand right now, early on, second half of the Major League Baseball season. But as the summer months continue, who gets your vote for American League MVP? Let's find out together in Fade the Public. So at this point, last week, entering the All-Star break, Shohei Otani, the even money favorite, 
plus 100 as the American League MVP frontrunner. Aaron Judge was behind at plus 125. Now, one week forward, here we are on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Aaron Judge, a slight odds-on favorite at minus 110. Shohei Otani, plus 125. So, between those two names, who gets your vote? The public right now, at TV on Twitter, saying Aaron Judge should be the odds-on favorite to an American League MVP. Nearly 58% backing Judge at the moment. Nearly 42% on Shohei Otani. And Aaron Judge will need to keep up the statistical performance we have seen out of the Yankees outfielder since returning from the All-Star break if he wants to keep pace. How many more flips will we see in the American League MVP odds board before the end of this Major League Baseball season? I don't think last night was the last one. Hour number two of the morning after is up next after this commercial break. 